Look around, what do you see? Cars, lots of them. And guess what? They're probably on Auto Trader. Whether you're into timeless classics or the latest trends, did somebody say solar-powered, eco-friendly, vegan, leather-wrapped, aromatherapy-scented, disco ball-equipped, self-driving car? If you see it on the road, you can likely find it on Auto Trader. Big cars, small cars, blue cars, new cars, used cars, electric cars, and one day, maybe even flying cars. With millions of options to choose from, buying a car becomes a whole lot easier. See it. Find it. Auto Trader. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, friends. It's Josh. And for this week's Select, I chose our episode that takes a frank and thrilling look at what happens when the government thinks you're dead. As you can imagine, nothing good is the answer to that. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry over there. Jerry's not eating anything today, Chuck. The air is clear. And did you just do that as a coaster? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to make a chinky sound every time. Like, chink, chink, Oh, chink. okay. I thought. Like this. I don't yeah, want yeah. that. I want this. No, I get it. Did you hear that? You didn't hear anything. No, I, I'm, I said everyone, Josh just folded up his notes and put his uh, can of cola down on that. And I've never seen you do that. And I thought you were trying to preserve this cheap Ikea desk. <laughs> no, this thing is tougher than leather. Okay. So it was a sound thing. Sure. It's, a, it's a sound dampening technique. Man, look at us after all these years. Yeah. I just came up with that. Up in our game. <laughs> um, so, Chuck, do you remember we did a Social Security number episode? Did we? I thought so. You don't remember that one? Oh, sure. It was one of those ones where you're like, my eyes are going to bleed because this is so boring. But it turned out to be pretty interesting. Sure. That was one of those. Yeah, I remember that. But we should give a little bit of a refresher on Social Security numbers, okay? Yeah, here's mine. <laughs> oh, you're going to give your, so, your yeah. 28794. No, I don't even, because what if I just accidentally said someone else's? Like made one up. Oh, right. And people and are like, oh, let me like, go try that. Yeah, and some dude's listening. And it's like, dude, <laughs> how'd you know? Yeah. Todd. Why is always Todd? <laughs> I don't know. So Social Security numbers, uh-huh. get this, everybody. They first started being issued in November of 1936. Mm-hmm. And the Social Security Administration was created to administer the, a New Deal program of federal benefits, mm-hmm. things like welfare or um, retirement benefits, Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire reason any of us originally were given a Social Security number was to track our lifetime earnings mm-hmm. and to um, determine how much we'd put into Social Security so that when we retired, they could determine how much we should get out in retirement. Right. That's why everyone has a Social Security number. Yeah. And because they're nine digits, um, there's something like a billion different possible combinations. And we're about halfway toward using up the Social Security numbers. Oh, interesting. We, but, but probably gaining fast. 
we are starting to gain much faster than we were before. Yeah. Good point. But we still got plenty of time. But because of this, um, Social Security numbers get retired when you die, which we'll get to. But originally, when when you were given Social Security number, that was it. It wasn't meant for anything else but to track your earnings and to figure out your retirement, right? Yeah, not like when you get a, go to get a haircut. Mm-hmm. Basically. And they ask you for your social security number. Yeah, in the 70s, the federal government said, okay, there's a couple of other things that you should really have your social security number for. A passport. Mm -hmm. Um, Makes sense. If you go to open a bank account, that was a new one too. I'll I'll buy that. Um, But then, like you said, like as computers came along, now everybody asks for it. It's become an identifier and and an authenticator, and that is really bad. That is not what we should be doing with social security numbers. Yeah, it really... Not only that, but the phone numbers and everything and addresses, it just annoys me. And I'm not like a conspiracy guy. It's not like I think like, oh, what are are they going to do with this? It just annoys me that I can't get a haircut without providing. I'm like, I have cash in my hand. You have scissors. Can we just do this? Right. Can we do it like Floyd style? Yeah. You know. (laughs) Oh, it annoys me. But even if you take away the annoyance, Companies have proven time and time and time again that they're not to be trusted oh, protecting sure. your Social Security number. Yeah, there's that. Be- because to authenticate you saying who you are who you say you are, mm-hmm. they've got to have your Social Security number on file. Mm-hmm. And when somebody hacks into their databases, they get your Social Security number. All of your information is right there. And it's become a real problem. But it's also become a real problem living a modern life without giving out your Social Security number, right? Yeah. So we say all this to point out that if for some reason you didn't have a Social Security number any longer, it would be tough to navigate life. And that actually happens to some people. Yeah. If you've seen the movie Brazil. Oh, is it like this? You never saw Brazil? No. It's it's sort of this uh, in a future dystopian world. But, you know, basically like, so it's it's bureaucracy at its best mm-hmm. of uh, someone who's, you know, dead or not dead, and the government mixes it up. Is that what Brazil's about? Yeah. I, I did not know that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up then because we would have heard from people. It's it's an, yeah. It's good, right? It is. And uh, you should go listen to the Movie Crush episode on Brazil with Jonathan Colton. Okay. His oh, favorite I will. Movie. Yeah. I didn't know that one. That one slipped past me. I wasn't talking to you, but sure. Oh, oh. <laughs> You're welcome to listen. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm part of everybody. I had to go to the Social Security office recently to get a card mm-hmm. because of this job in our new company. Really? Yeah. I had to prove, you know, whatever, that I'm alive You didn't and employable, I guess. You didn't just give them your passport? I couldn't find my passport because oh, yeah. I'm in between houses right now, uh-huh. and it was buried somewhere. Okay, but you do have it because we're probably going to Toronto this year. Uh, I do have it. I did find it kind of after I went to the Social Security office. But all that was just to say that if you think the DMV is a pit of despair, yeah. just go to the Social Security office. I don't want to. It's not fun. I really don't want to. No. So, um, okay, you can imagine how bad it is when everything's just hunky-dory and you just need a copy of your card. That's all you needed, right? Yeah. For some people, some poor saps out there, they are thought by the government and listed by the government as having died. That's right. And that is a big problem. If you're alive. Yes, because, again, you need your Social Security number for everything to start with. And then secondly, 
because we have enough social security numbers to go around, like I said, when you die, your social security number gets retired with you. Yeah, they hang it in the rafters of your local NBA franchise. That's exactly right. If you look really closely, yeah. <laughs> they're all up there. But um, that's, that is a problem for somebody who gets listed as dead on what's called the death master file. Do I need to say it? No. <laughs> Even somebody listening to the very first stuff you should know right now, they know what you're saying. There's a bunch of good band names in here, but Death Master File is pretty good. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's also called the Social Security Death Index, but Death Master File is way better. I think you would agree. It depends on who you're talking to. I think genealogists typically call it the SSDI. Everybody else calls it the Death Master File is what I saw. You know why? Because they don't know how to party. <laughs> <laughs> or they've got their own little weird party going on. Oh, yeah. didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to look at people differently sometimes. I was trying I mean? to think of the bumper sticker, genealogists do it blank. Mm -hmm. in, the, in the archives. <laughs> genealogists do it with their DNA. With their dead ancestors. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's two bumper stickers. Yeah. Just having ellipses, that'd be kind of fun. So, uh, all right, where were we? The DMF. All right, it's, it was established the same time the social security numbers were back in 1936. And then it took all the way till 1980 before uh, the public could even see this list. Right, right. There was a Freedom of Information Act that was filed back in 1980. Um, and there was a lawsuit and the federal court said, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is public information. You have to publish this. And there's actually like a master death master file mm -hmm. that's called the Numident and that's like everything. And that's the um, that's the one that the death master file is derived from. The public version of it is the death master file. Right, which uh, when you die, there are a bunch of ways that your name can uh, get to the SSA, mm -hmm. the Social Security Administration. <laughs> sometimes it's a funeral home. Sometimes it's from like a hospital. Sometimes it's from your family. Yeah. Because um, it's the family's responsibility ultimately to report it. Yeah. But most of the time, the funeral home is the one that actually does it as like a service. I wouldn't have known that. But I also saw, um, well, now you know. Yeah. Um, there's probably some poor stuff you should know, listener, our condolences. Sure. Who's dealing with this right now. It's your responsibility to go report this to the Social Security Administration. Yeah. Okay. That's sad. I also saw that your bank the Postal Service, some other randos are legally allowed to report your death as well. So is the post, off, uh, post person just saying like, I haven't picked up their mail in like three weeks. They're they, dead I to think, me. I think I should just report this. I don't, I don't know. I could, I could not find the procedure from that. Uh -huh. Anything other than a couple of good sources mention the Postal Service as a, a legal place, the legal entity that can report your huh. death to the feds. All right, so why do they want this death master file? Of course, if you have paid, um, well, the, the government needs to know if you're not around anymore. It's kind of that simple. There's a couple of reasons why. Yes, they need to know because— You, you get a little dough. They can't have your Social Security number out there. No. They need to know that you're deceased um, because they don't want to be paying— um, Income tax refunds. Right. If somebody starts filing them fraudulently, they don't want people opening bank accounts in your name. They want to make sure that you're listed as dead. Yes. And so that's what the death master file does. It kind of serves as this storehouse for 
all the people in America who've been dead basically since the 60s, but it goes as far back as 1936 or 37. Yeah, which is surprisingly more than 100 million people. Yes, but they think that there's maybe up to 16 million dead people missing from this list. It's oh, not, really? It's not perfect. We'll spoil now. Well, I guess we should then follow that statement by saying there are tens of thousands of people on that list who should not be on that list. Right, exactly. But before we get to there, um, this death master file, originally it was so Social Security could track who was dead and who wasn't, so they could determine who to pay Social Security Administration benefits out to the survivors. Mm-hmm. Get this. Did you know this? If you're in America and you're the recipient, you're the survivor of somebody who gets Social Security— you get a cool $255 to help bury them. Yeah, that's when I said you get a little dough. That I meant little. A little dough. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like one of the fancy handles on the casket would be covered by that. I don't even yeah. think you can get cremated for $200. I don't know. I don't even think they'll leave you in a ditch out back for $200. <laughs> a sky burial costs more than that. Maybe that tri-state crematorium would take your $250, but that's it. Yeah. Do you remember them? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Evil. So, uh, like you said, mistakes are made, and this is where it turns slightly Brazil. Uh, there was an investigation in 2011 that they actually named Grave Mistakes, which is hysterical, mm-hmm. uh, by Scripps Howard News Service. And what they did was they took uh, this uh, master death file from three different years, 98, 2008, and 2011. They created a computer program to basically just compare them to see what they came up with and that they found uh, almost 32,000 living people who were listed as deceased in 98 or 2008 that were then taken off that list after they realized that they goofed up in 2011. So these people had spent months, years maybe, um, listed as dead. And here's the problem. It's bad enough if you go to apply for Medicare because you've retired or Social Security benefits and the government says denied, um, you're dead, mm-hmm. you're listed as dead. Because as far as the government's concerned, if you are on this, you're dead to them. Yeah. That's bad enough. But remember that Freedom of Information Act um, lawsuit that opened the thing up to being published publicly? Yeah. The reason why that suit was filed is because the business community said, hey, we can really use that thing. Yeah. there, It's basically, it would be like a big do not take checks from these people list for yeah. all dead Americans. Because if somebody comes to us and wants to open a bank account, wants to get an insurance policy, wants to get a car, wants to get a job, it doesn't matter. Wants to do something where they could take us for a ride if they're uh, a fraud then if we had this list to check against, like social security numbers or names or whatever, we could root out fraud and we could defend ourselves from identity theft and and the fraud that's perpetrated by it. And so banks, insurance companies, car dealerships, cable companies, employers, everybody, other government agencies. Barbers. All barbers. Don't forget them. (laughs) They all use this death master file, which is available publicly, to check your applications against. And if the government says that you're dead, it says it on this file, whether it's right or wrong, you're dead. Yeah. And that's a whole lot of problems for you. We're going to get into those right after this.
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Right. 
So before we broke, I was talking about that uh, that Scripps um, investigation. Yeah. And there was an Inspector General's report in 2008 that kind of uh, pulled back the curtain on this stuff. Mm-mm. And Social Security said, uh, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> there's there's a lot of people, tens of thousands, that we think are, are dead and aren't dead. But their, their uh, success rate's pretty good. Yeah, and he said uh, they said, but we're at a 99.59 uh, rate of accuracy, which, which is not too bad. For a government bureaucracy, that's really good. And they said that uh, 90% of the time it can, you can fix it in just a year. <laughs> just a hellish year. Yeah, not too bad. Um, and so uh, they basically admitted to being a government uh, – I don't want to knock them too much because mm-hmm. it feels like everyone's always, you know, knocking government work. Who? But <laughs> they're basically saying like, yeah, man, it, these names are miskeyed so, or these numbers are miskeyed sometimes. They're like, S and it happens. happens. Yeah, yep. pretty much. So um, the the thing is that 0.41% error rate, that's tens of thousands of people every year. Yeah. There's like 2.7 million people added to this list every year who die in America, right? Wow. So it adds up to a lot of of errors. The thing is, the Social Security Administration, um, so they take their death master file, they hand it over to the National Technical Information Service, and they're the ones who distribute it to all the insurance companies, the genealogy websites. I think Ancestry.com publishes it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Credit bureaus. Yeah, insurance companies, everybody who wants to do a background check on you. They all get their their versions of this from the um, t- the National Technical Information Service. But part of the agreement to get this from them, you have to pay for it, is that you have to keep your DMF up to date. Because if you just buy one every once in a while um, and the Social Security Administration finds an error on it and updates their file, mm-hmm. if you don't go get the new file – your old file is still going to have that error. Right. And that's when it becomes problematic for the people who are listed as deceased when they try to go get credit. And it, it kind of has a tendency to spread once it's out there. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, sometimes it's being miskeyed. Um, one, I, I think they said like one out of every 200 is just from clerical error. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be like um, a family member goes to report a death and they accidentally make a mistake where they might end up being on the death list. Yeah, I I don't know how that happens, but it does happen. There are people like Don Pilger. Human error. Mary Dubord, who who apparently Mary Dubord just gave up. She She's like, my husband can get credit cards still. I'm just going to live off of his. Uh, sometimes you this one woman named Candace Atkins just accidentally clicked deceased on a tax return on an electronic filing, and that was it. Can you imagine? No, I can't believe there's not an undo. That's yeah. I was looking well, I into mean, that. She had submitted. I guess you could probably have undone it in the moment, but she didn't realize it and submitted it. Right. But you should still be able to undo that. You would think so. Um, and then there are some weird things. These uh, anomalies that you dug up. Um, more than forty percent of false listings made in two thousand seven were f- from Illinois. Sounds like a hiccup in the system to me. A hiccup in the system or a super lazy data entry person? You think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, more than 2 million Americans were falsely listed as dying on the 15th, and that was just an internal policy is to use the 15th as a default value when mm-hmm. they didn't know. Right. 
eh, middle of the month sounds good to me. Right. Um, and I guess that was just a question of not going to the trouble of verifying the information. Right. So, um, and it can happen the other way too. You can be, uh, I think at least 6 million dead Americans are labeled as alive, which is a huge problem because you're, you're just, your information is out there ready to be abused by the nefarious. Well, no, that's the opposite. If you're, if you're listed as deceased, but you're still alive, your information is being published and can be used for identity fraud. If you're actually dead and not listed, if somebody knows that you're dead and not listed, they can use your stuff to to perpetrate fraud against the government. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, 67,000 of those people, uh, of those numbers were used to report $3 billion in income between 2006 and 2011. That's a lot of tax return refunds. So... Fraud. Yeah. So it's a problem both ways where either you're dead and you're not listed on there or you're not dead and they they listed you anyway. That's right. And, and like I was saying earlier, this once this information gets out there, because there's so many different entities getting this list, uh, once it's out there, it stays out there. It's very tough to go around to everyone and, and get this information changed, even once you get it changed with the Social Security Administration, because while it's a requirement to keep your your list up to date if you're a subscriber, there's no enforcement to it. There's yeah. nobody who comes along and says, let me see your list. Oh, it's not up to date. Give me uh, give me $10 that you're fine. There's nobody enforcing it. So once it's out there, it's very tough to undo. It takes it is. forever. Uh, well, less than a year on average, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of horror stories um, for what this can do to someone's life. Um this one person, uh, Rivers, what's the first name? Judy Rivers. Judy Rivers, Rivers Cuomo. Um, <laughs> police actually detained Judy Rivers. Yeah. Uh, from using, because she used a debit card, her own debit card at a Walmart. At a Walmart. Plus, she also had a, um, a Mountain Dew bottle-sized meth lab in her pocket. <laughs> uh, but in, like, it seems like all of these cases, it ranges from, Stuff like um, your insurance gets all messed up or your maybe disability checks or your Medicaid payments or you're trying to get a home loan or trying to get a credit card. Like anything that you can think of where a Social Security number might help you can't get a haircut. Right. You should see how long the hair is on these people. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you have cash. They won't do it. Uh, Rivers ended up living out of her car for six months. Yeah, she had just a really bad time of it for five years. Um, And at first she didn't know what was going on because she was frozen out of her bank accounts. Because this is something we said, like— like you you can't get future loans, you can't get future insurance policies, you can't get future credit, but also the stuff that you already have, mm-hmm. your current bank accounts, all that stuff gets frozen yeah. because you're listed as dead. And so that comes up on the computer and your account gets frozen. And even when you show up and say, hey, it's me, you know yeah. me, the teller can't do anything about it. The bank can't do anything about it. It's, it's done. Yeah. And now you've just been pitted against the system Yes. And it's like, there's no door you can go knock on and say, hey, we can clear this up in just a few minutes. I'm clearly alive. You just click the few little things you need to click to Mm -hmm. get my life back. Mm -hmm. Because it's the U.S. government, it's not nearly that easy. So I guess that, Chuck, that brings up what to do, because there actually are procedures in place. Like we said, the Social Security Administration says, 
This is not fully accurate. Anybody who gets this list needs to keep updating it as we update it. I think they released an, an updated list weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't even tell you, though. You, you find out the hard way almost always. That's a big one. Yeah. It's not like they say, by the way, we found an error. Um, because they don't know. They don't know you're alive. Right. So I actually called the Social Security Administration. You did? I did. Because I wanted answers. You didn't go to the office? No, I didn't. I was a little lazy. Coward. <laughs> It wasn't cowardless. It was laziness. So um, I, I was talking to, like, just the, the guy who answered, and he knew exactly what I was talking about, knew all the procedures. Oh. But I asked him, I was like, do you guys ever uncover this yourselves, or is it when people come to you that you know there's a mistake? He's like, yeah, when people come to us. So supposedly there's all these reforms in place and all that, hmm. but I think still for the most part when an error is uncovered, it's because you found it out. But even if they do find it out, yes, what you said is true. They don't inform the person, which is kind of a violation of the um, the uh, Privacy Act, right? I would think so. I, from what I understand, it is like anytime your confidential information is breached and yeah. made public, um, you're supposed to be informed about that. So the SSA should be sending out letters, but as far as I know, they, they do not. I love this quote in here um, under the section on what to do, like the Social Security Administration is trying to correct this. And there's a quote from someone who works there that said that sometimes they'll go out and see if older Americans are really still alive. And it it says this, we go to Medicare and see if anyone hasn't been to Medicare for three years. (laughs) And if they haven't been, we try to go out and make a phone call to call them and see if they're, you know, still here. (laughs) (laughs) And the interviewer was like, are you drunk? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That was the follow-up question. Oh, man. So, yeah, they. I mean, supposedly because of things like that Scripps Howard News Service investigation in 2011, 60 Minutes did a big one and I think 2014 or 15. Oh, this is right up their alley. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, it is. It's very 60 Minutes yeah. kind of story. <laughs> like the truth of what you just said ran through me like uh-huh. a bolt. Um, but the... The, the Social Security Administration has finally kind of started to be responsive, and they are supposedly undertaking reforms, including having investigators try to root this out themselves. Yeah. Which, ironically, they're relying on other government databases, like this guy said Medicare, to check their records against. They've stopped taking reports from the state and now only accept um, direct reports from right. people. But that in itself opened up another problem because they went back yeah. and cleared out the records of like 5 million Americans whose deaths have been reported from state databases. Right. So that 6 million went to something like 11 million of dead people who aren't on there. Now, are they actually recommending that you pull your credit report three times a year? Yes. Really? Yes. That seems like, I don't know. You're not, like that affects your credit. I don't know if that one does. Really? I, I know it's free for sure, but I don't know if it affects your credit or not. But yeah, so you get access to your the the credit reports from the three big bureaus, right? Are you gonna do that? You have you set up calendar reminders? No, I'm going to now. Like though. once a quarter I for had, the rest of your life to make sure time. you're not listed as dead. <laughs> I haven't had time today yet. It seems like if you're an active 
consumer in the world, you would find out very quickly. Very quickly. Um, without having to do that. Yeah, that Scripps service, though, when they found the, like, 34,000 people who had been listed as dead, yeah. they tried to contact as many of them as they could. And they said about half of the people were well aware that they were listed as dead and oh, had I'm sure. been through nightmare struggles. But strangely, like, half had no idea what they were talking about. Huh. So it's like, what kind of life do you have to live to not be aware of that? Because you I, you or I would come up against it within a week or a month oh, or sure. something, it seems like. Yeah. Like there would be something that came up where it's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait. Like it says this information is not is incomplete or it says you're dead or something like that. We'd find out pretty or quick. Or just to go get money out of a cash machine. Right. It might say, sorry, your pen doesn't work. But I think the recommendation is, is in addition to finding out that you're listed as dead, gotcha. there's also a lot of other stuff that, that you can kind of keep tabs on by looking at your credit report three times a year, <laughs> once every four months. Yeah, and they say the real solution for all of us would be if every company on the planet doesn't require, well, here's the thing, though, they can't legally require your social security number to open up a, a or start a telephone in your name at a home. Right. But they'll ask for it, and if you refuse to give it, like, you may not be able to get it at all, or you may just have a really, really hard time. Yeah, they can refuse to do business with you, and that's the crux of the problem. Exactly. Because that de facto means that you need to play ball. Yep. Whether you want to give your Social Security number out or not, tough. Yeah. If you want that internet service or that cable service or you want that haircut, mm -hmm. you're going to have to play ball. Yeah, it was I remember <clears throat> growing up, it was a, like, I remember I had a social security card and I remember my mom being like, you, you got to put that in your desk drawer. Oh, yeah, and like, I remember. Don't touch it ever. If somebody comes near your, your drawer, you <laughs> shoot them with, the, with this gun. Yeah, it was crazy. And now it's just like, I probably give out my so social like twice a month. Right. But but because of those breaches, because so many people have your social security number now, yeah. and because hackers have gotten really good at getting into things like, um, I think it was Experian or TransUnion who were hacked in 2017. Oh, yeah, that was huge. Um, that, that was, uh, it, it was not only, I read, not only did it basically just totally erode the public's trust and credit bureaus to keep our stuff private. Like, they were the ones who were supposed to be unhackable. Right. And I think 137 million Social Security numbers made it out into the wild Amazing. from that hack. Yeah. Um, that, that, that not only eroded trust in the credit bureaus, it was the beginning of the end for using Social Security numbers like we do to authenticate or as identifiers. Yeah, companies, some are moving mm -hmm. away from that now, right? Yeah, because they're getting sued and they're yeah. getting fines and they just realize they can't keep this stuff protected. The problem is no one knows what's next. A lot of people right. have talked about, like, blockchain, but nobody understands blockchain, which, by the way, we should totally do a blockchain episode. Yeah. Um, but everybody's kind of like, it's probably going to be blockchain. But first, I have to go figure out what blockchain is. Right. <laughs> and then we'll we'll figure out how to do social security numbers through blockchain. I'm sure in some offices, they're like, you know, the old barcode on the back of the neck seems silly, but it sure would work. <laughs> have you seen Brazil? <laughs> Should we take a break? Oh, yeah, let's. All right, let's take another break. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the rest of the world right after this. Stop, 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. right. 
So, Chuck, we're going around the world in 80 days in our nice little balloon. Actually, I said we're going to talk about the rest of the world. We're only going to talk about one more place in the world. (laughs) Hey, man, I got Canada. Oh, yeah? The UK. Okay. Basically, anywhere there's a a country with a bureaucracy and a country where people die, there's going to be someone erroneously listed as dead. All right. So, let's go to India. Okay, we'll do that. In India, it's not always an accident. Uh, Sometimes it's an error, but sometimes um, you can do what they call, quote, killing people on paper, end quote, um, in order to say their property is mine, to lay claim to something Mm -hmm. legally. You can uh, can do so, especially, I mean, it's not legal, but it's something that happens. No, you can bribe an official who will say, okay, yes, this person is dead. Thank you for reporting their death. Here is their land, uh, uncle or cousin or whoever. <laughs> well, supposedly in the um, northern state of Uttar Pradesh, um, it, it's become a real problem there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a man, there is a man. Yeah, he's still around. Uh, named Lal Bahari, who in 1976, at the age of 22, found out he was listed as dead. Uh, and his uncle, did his uncle do this or did his uncle his, just get the land? And, his uncle's family. Huh? His uncle's family did. Oh, they're the one that, mm-hmm. that purposefully yes. listed him as dead. Yeah. Just so they could get the land. Yep. He wow. went to go get a business loan. He was a loomer, and he went to get a business loan. And to get a business loan, he needed documentation of his identity. And when he went to go get that, the the local uh, records office is like, you're dead. And it took him 17 years to undead himself. Yeah, fortunately for the world, he had a great sense of um, absurdity. Of humor? <laughs> like, his, yes, but also, like, the humor in absurdity. Like, he he realized, like, this is so preposterous, and he really used that as motivation to make huge moves. Yeah, he would answer the phone um, as dead person, mm-hmm. which is uh, Ritak. Is that how you pronounce it? I think you or just nailed silent? it. Uh, he would answer the phone like that. He organized the Uttar Pradesh Mritak Singh, which is the Uttar Pradesh Dead People's Association. <laughs> and it seems like really brought a lot of, like, attention to this through, like, almost like public uh, absurdist public demonstrations. Public shamings, too. Yeah, like parades of uh, dead people walking around mm-hmm. on the steps of, like, the government buildings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And finally, in 1994, he did have his death overturned legally. Um, did you see whether or not he got his land? I didn't see that, actually. I'm curious. It's a great question. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, I, I, I did not. I don't know. But 221 people, um, because of his efforts in that area of India, were uh, had their deaths overturned. Yeah, Sounds I mean, so weird that say. was just in one year even. Which, what I think is cool about him is he founded this organization and got his— life back in 94, yeah. but still stayed on as the, you know, the driving force behind the, the Uttar Pradesh Dead Persons Association. And won an Ig Nobel Prize for it. Mm-hmm. Not bad. We did an episode on that, too. You remember the Ig Nobels? Man, that was a long time ago. Yep. Yep. So, one more thing. We, I, we never really actually said what to do if you end up listed incorrectly as dead on the death master file. Start answering the phone as dead Chuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shame the government. Also, the other thing you're supposed to do first is go in person to your local Social Security Administration. And by the way, this is information 
directly from the SSA to me, to you, because mm-hmm. I called them. I know. The guy said, just bring your driver's license and passport, and we'll handle it from there. And I was like, wait, that's it? He's like, yeah, you know, the 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 information matches, your picture matches. That's all you need. And you said, and by handle it, you'll mean nothing will happen here. That's right. <laughs> right. And I go, so do you give the person, so they give you a letter saying this person's alive. Mm-hmm. They, they were listed as deceased by mistake. Give them their credit or whatever. Um, we love you, Social Security Administration. Yeah. And I said, do, do you give the letter then once they prove it? Or um, he's like, no, once the file is updated, then we typically send the letter like, out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, how long is that? You know? Yeah. And it's weeks easily, if sure. not months, before you're going to get a letter. But if you find out the first thing you want to do, go to your local Social Security office with your passport and or your driver's license and say, Surprise. Yeah, I saw that one person even had to have a note from their doctor mm-hmm. verifying that they were indeed alive. Yep. Weird li- weird life. That must be. Weird, weird country. So uh, if you want to know more about the death master file, you can go look it up. It's kind of interesting, actually, as far as bureaucracy goes. And since I said bureaucracy, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this... Um, uh, this is a follow-up on the Rape Kits episode, which we got a lot of amazing and sad stories from that one. Uh, this is about the the money, the monies. Because remember on the show we said that, you know, you don't, uh, you have to pay for that stuff? Uh, for treatment. Yeah. Right. Apparently you can get money back, which we meant to go back and re-record a section and did not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is by means of following up on that. Uh, hey, guys, long-time listener. First time writer, finished the episode on rape kits and realized I could offer some information that will hopefully bring some peace of mind. Uh, I work as a medical biller for a hospital in the Midwest. Part of my job is processing the sexual assault claims that come in. At our hospital, we have a program for those who present to the hospital uh, after a sexual assault. We, in partner with the state, cover all the charges that result from the initial ER visit, and the patient is given a voucher for any relevant follow-up care that they may need over the next three months. That is awesome. It is, and we realize that a lot of states do this after we had recorded and published the show. Yes. I'm Um, I'm so glad this person wrote in, though, so we could say. It is good to know. Uh, We also take steps to ensure that the patient will never see a bill or be contacted by our department in regards to their visit to reduce any re-traumatization. I'm the point person for this process here, handle all the claims personally. I'm not sure how many hospitals implement this program, but I hope this helps you all know that at least here, we do as much as we can to alleviate any unnecessary burden from our patients during this stressful and sensitive time. That was really great. Uh, Thanks for all you guys do. You have transformed many days, years, spent in a cubicle into opportunities to learn. Keep doing the great work. And that is from Maria. Thank you very much. That was amazing. Yeah, Maria, thanks for doing that job, too. That's tough stuff. Mm -hmm. That was the antithesis of another email we got who basically said, regarding your little soapbox about how society should take on that cost, keep your politics to yourself because I disagree. I don't know if I saw that one. It was a bad one, and I just wanted to say that that person is a butthead. (laughs) Oh, no, wait, maybe I did see that. I couldn't even bring myself to respond. I think I did, and I did respond. Oh, what'd you say? I don't remember. Did you tell them they were butthead? Go jump in a lake. There you go. (laughs) Um, Well, if you want to get in touch with us, whether we think you're a butthead or a saint, it doesn't matter. We still want to hear from you. Or a beavis. (laughs) You can go on to Mm stuffyoushouldknow.com, check out our social links, 
you can also send us a good old-fashioned email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, uh, spray it with perfume, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.